Too Broad, How a Recent Holding on Civil Rights and RuneScape Got Misreported. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a bit of a smaller story, but I wanted to talk to you about it because it came across my social media feeds in a way that I thought deserved a little bit more attention. So I'm going to bring up this story right now. It's an article from PC Gamer. This is at least where I saw it originally that says being muted in a game does not violate your civil rights. U.S. federal court declares. Now, what I want to focus on at the start of this episode is really the headline, right? This is broadly written. It says being muted in a game, which is a technological constraint placed on somebody that's otherwise communicating in a game. If you're not familiar with it, it basically means that the game developer or some other person given authority by the game developer can prevent you from talking or communicating either in text or other methods in that video game. That being muted doesn't violate your civil rights. That the way this headline reads to me, and again, we live in a digital age where headlines have more meaning than perhaps they should. You can always tell somebody to go read the article, but the headlines are going to carry a lot of weight. I read this to say that a U.S. federal court has said in no instance can being muted in a game violate your civil rights. And in my opinion, as a lawyer, not a lawyer that regularly deals in civil rights litigation, it should be said, but a lawyer nonetheless, I looked at that and said, well, that seems interesting. I want to read that article. And so I did. Taking a look at this, it says, sometime during March and April 2019, Amro Sari found himself muted in an online game run by Jagex, specifically, according to PenLive, the MMO RuneScape. His appeal of the muting was denied, and so he took the next natural, perfectly reasonable step and filed a DIY lawsuit avail- available via Vice, alleging that Jagex had engaged in discrimination against him and violated his rights to free speech and due process. In a not exactly shocking development, the lawsuit was quickly dismissed. In a ruling posted to BrianCarnell.com, District Judge Mark Kearney declared that his federal constitutional claims over being muted in a video game are implausible. Now, I looked at all the background material here. It's worth noting that the original claims here were dismissed in 2019, so last year. This story actually gets a little bit confused about what we're talking about right this second, but we're actually talking about the appeal to that claim and what happened at that instance, which we'll see at the end of this article. But it says, in 2019, Kearney, the judge, restraint is audible as he educates the plaintiff on the basics of constitutional law. The First Amendment and its constitutional free speech guarantees restrict government actors, not private entities. Defendants who are not alleged to be state actors are not subject to constitutional free speech guarantees. Likewise, with the Fifth Amendment, I think he brings a 14th Amendment claim as well. Yeah, we've talked about that in virtual legality, right? The Constitution at both the federal and the state levels in the United States are generally written around preventing the government, whether that's the federal or the state government, from doing things against private citizens or private actors. So when you say the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging X, Y, and Z, that is talking about Congress. That's talking about the federal government. And JAGX isn't the federal government. This has come up in previous episodes of Virtual Legality, talking about things like Twitter or Facebook or Google or anyone else that you interact with online, that they can take certain actions that perhaps the U.S. federal government couldn't take because those entities are, even as big as they are, they are not the government. And that's caused some consternation across certain certain quarters of the internet. But it remains the case that you can't bring a First Amendment claim for a violation of the First Amendment against Twitter. And you can't bring it against Jagex or anyone else in the video game sphere. And as far as it goes, that's correct. And 
the headline is absolutely correct in stating that, that you can't have a constitutional violation that is applied to a private actor like this. However, the article continues, and this was actually what was brought up and dismissed here in 2020. The second claim is even more interesting. Next, citing Title II of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Alan Sari maintains that the district court should have identified and considered a claim of public accommodations discrimination in Alan Sari's complaint. Alan Sari insists that defendant Jagex should be liable for unequal treatment because Alan Sari's account was muted compared to all other players who are not muted. The ruling available on Justia states, and we're going to take a look at that as part of this video. Title II prohibits discrimination on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. Even generously construing Ellen Sari's complaint to raise a claim of public accommodations discrimination and assuming that Ellen Sari can bring such a claim in this context, at no point either in the district court or on appeal has Ellen Sari alleged losing access to JAGX's online game to do discrimination based on any grounds protected by Title II. Now, that's the important paragraph, and we're going to look at it in context of the actual decision that was made in 2020. But it's important to understand what's happening here, what the playing field is of this particular action. So what you've got here, and this is described in this article and other articles that we're going to take a look at here, is you've got a plaintiff that regularly files litigations. And these litigations can probably be rightly be put in a slightly crazy bucket, uh, a little bit more litigatory than even we would like to see in the United States and bringing claims all over the place. He's his own lawyer on this type of stuff. We'll see in the Vice article, which we're going to look at for just a second, that it was all handwritten. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't reference specific laws, et cetera, et cetera. But the headline, the top line item of this article is that a federal court has determined that muting in a video game doesn't violate your, which I think should be read as the broad everybody's, not just this particular plaintiff litigants, civil rights. And I don't think that's what this says at all. So when you're reading a court case, when you're reading any kind of holding from a court, it's important to understand what's happening. So here, this person brought a claim in 2019 and then appealed it and then said, hey, you guys need to take into account that I brought this Title II claim under the Civil Rights Act that said a place of public accommodation can't discriminate against people. And that's what they did here. And here the court says, okay, since we are in a appeal of a motion to dismiss that was granted with prejudice, you can never be brought again. Since we are looking at this in that particular footing, we're going to assume certain things that you say are correct. We are going to assume that Jagex and RuneScape are actually public accommodations for purposes of the Civil Rights Act. Even if we assume all of that, you never bothered to tell us that what happened to you vis-a-vis muting was on the basis of race, color, religion, or national origin. You didn't even allege it. And so because of that, we can kick it out right now because even assuming as true and as helpful as possible, everything that you put in your litigation, in your appeal, whatever it was, even if we assume everything goes to your benefit, you still didn't allege a violation of this law. And so we're going to kick it out. But note what the holding doesn't do. It doesn't sit there and say, because of this kind of crazy litigation, we are now holding that video games can't possibly be public accommodations, or we are now holding that muting can't possibly violate any of these specific discriminatory acts that are identified in the Civil Rights Act. No, they are looking at the case and controversy before them, and they're making a decision based on the facts as presented to them by this litigant. And that is different from saying, in no way can muting be a violation of your civil rights. And this, unfortunately, went across the internet. So that's PC Gamer. We can find a bunch of these. I, I brought up now Polygon, 
federal court colon getting muted in runescape doesn't violate your civil rights serial litigator in pennsylvania loses latest appeal and we can pull up the google news kind of return for muted in a game we see the pc gamer article we see a pen live article your civil rights weren't violated when you were muted out of a video game U- u.s court has ruled that being muted in a game doesn't violate civil rights etc 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 and unfortunately That's just not the case. We can actually look at the context of the case as it was presented, as was quoted in PC Gamer, and we can see exactly what was described in that article. To the author's credit in that article, they adequately describe what is happening here. And we get to the final piece of the puzzle here, which is the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Ellen Sari maintains that they should have identified a claim of public accommodation, insists that JAGX should be liable, and then Title II prohibits this certain discrimination Even if we assume everything that you've given us, you didn't actually ask for a violation of Title II. And that's all that they had to hold in this particular instance. If we actually go to the Civil Rights Act, that's one of the things that's of interest here, right? The Civil Rights Act doesn't limit itself to government actors. That's one of the reasons why some of these articles get a little bit muddled, whether that's PenLive or Polygon or PC Gamer, pretty famously and somewhat controversially, certainly when it was enacted and sometimes controversially when it's discussed in various aspects of our modern political discourse, the Civil Rights Act applies to private actors, applies to companies, applies to restaurants, applies to things that are not the government. And the actual restriction is here in A. It says all persons shall be entitled to the full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations of any place of public accommodation, as defined in this section, which we're going to look at, without discrimination or segregation on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. So if you're trying to allege a violation of this particular law, you look to the elements of what you would have to prove. You'd have to prove that somebody was operating a place of public accommodation, and you'd have to prove that they discriminated against you on the basis of race, color, religion, or national origin. So the first thing we look at is, could something like RuneScape or any MMO or any online video game or anything else that you might want to imagine in the digital space, could that be considered a place of public accommodation? And if this isn't your first rodeo here in virtual legality, you know that the law and all these statutes aren't really very well written for kind of contemplating actual digital virtual spaces, right? So we see here in the definition that that could be an issue. But it's not an issue that's been settled in this particular case before us today. Establishments affecting interstate commerce or supported in their activities by state action as places of public accommodation, lodgings, facilities, principally engaged in selling food for consumption on the premises, gasoline stations, places of exhibition or entertainment and other covered establishments, which is a long way of putting forth the definition in the heading. And it says each of the following establishments, which serves the public, is a place of public accommodation within the meaning of this subchapter. For purposes of that rule we just read, these things are public accommodations. Inns, hotels, and motels. Restaurants, cafeterias, and lunchrooms. And then we get to three. Any motion picture house, not really us, theater, concert hall, sports arena, stadium, or other place of exhibition or entertainment. Okay, that last one is an umbrella term in the law and might get us where we need to go if we were trying to bring a claim against Jagex or Blizzard or whoever we're trying to bring a claim against. Another place of exhibition or entertainment that is broadly kind of available to everybody operates within uh, within commerce, which we get here in the yellow here. It says, it will be considered operating in commerce if it customarily presents films, 
performances, athletic teams, exhibitions, or other sources of entertainment which move in commerce, which I think if we were being generous, we could mean, hey, you had to pay money at some point to somewhere that crossed state lines, it went to an Amazon web server somewhere, wherever it might be. Probably if there's money involved, we can, we can make a claim if it's on the internet that it moved in interstate commerce. And so you get to this situation where you say, okay, had this particular litigant been able to say, I was muted because of my national origin, or I was muted because of my religion, probably it doesn't get kicked out in the same manner as it got kicked out. Now, in all honesty, what we're about to see with what he actually presented, it suggests that nothing was going to get past the court on this because it didn't have enough bells and whistles associated with what he was claiming in any event. Uh, And that seems to be the pattern that this particular litigant has used in, I think, a dozen litigations or something along those lines. But just having the question be, could this actually be a claim? We have to sit back and say, well, it hasn't been decided, to my knowledge, in any other court case, and certainly not this case that we're talking about today. It hasn't been decided. It is civil rights insofar as it relates to the Civil Rights Act under its title. I think we all consider kind of public accommodation rights as as a civil right, even though it's not a constitutional right. And could you make a claim that something like an online space is a place of entertainment that moves in commerce and otherwise uh, allows its customers certain rights within a public space that is sold to the public? That if you want to sign up for a account with RuneScape, you can do that right now and you can go play RuneScape. It is something that is offered to the entire public. And again, in virtual legality, we're not talking about whether or not that's a good thing. We're not talking about whether or not that should be how this is interpreted. We're asking the question of whether it could be interpreted that way. And if it can be interpreted that way, all of those headlines are basically wrong, right? And they're wrong anyway, because the federal court didn't make a holding as broad as those headlines would suggest. It didn't say anything about quote unquote, your civil rights, the civil rights of everybody that might be reading that article or thinking about that case. It didn't say anything about that. It, t- it looked at the case or controversy before it, and it put forth what it thought was appropriate for that particular claim, that it was very easy to kick out. You'll see courts do this all the time, where they look for the narrowest way to kick something out. You'll see the Supreme Court do this if you follow those cases pretty closely. And it was clear that once you get to the Civil Rights Act complaint, They didn't even bother to talk about race, color, religion, or national origin. Once that happens, it's easy for the court to say, hey, there's nothing we could do about this, even if we agreed with you that this was a place of public accommodation because you didn't bother to even allege that it was discriminatory on these bases. And so if you didn't, then you have to have it be kicked out of court. But we can imagine a situation in which someone is playing World of Warcraft and somehow Blizzard's using IP addresses or somebody else is using IP addresses or is actually following the content of the conversation and is only muting people that they think have national origin X or is only muting people of religion Y. And if that were in fact the case, it would be a much more interesting court case. We'd undoubtedly cover it in virtual legality. But if that were in fact the case, I don't think that specifically muting that person would not necessarily be a violation of their civil rights. You'd have a lot more legalities to consider. You'd have a lot more of the facts and circumstances of that particular case to contemplate, but it wouldn't be automatically kicked out. It is not as if the federal courts of the United States have said muting can never be a violation of your civil rights, which is, I think, what those headlines suggest. And I want to look at the Vice Vice article as something of a better way to approach this headline, right? Gamer files lawsuit claiming muting violated his human rights loses badly. 
is an accurate headline for what happened here. It's not about everybody's civil rights. It's not this broad understanding of what this tiny little holding to essentially confirm a dismissal of a case actually means. All it says is this gamer filed this thing. It wound up looking like this. You can see all these kind of handwritten notes and and violation of due process, discrimination slash free speech, human rights is not maybe the clearest and most concise way to write what you are alleging as a violation. The court looked at this and said, you didn't allege everything properly, even in the, the second instance where you're actually looking at a statute that could be aimed at a private actor. And so we're going to kick it out. In other words, the person loses badly. And I think that's an accurate way of actually putting the headline down on paper. And that's what I wound up saying on Twitter. If you don't follow me on Twitter, follow me at Hoaglaw. I talk about these things that we wind up talking about in virtual legality a lot. But the PC Gamer tweet went out and said, being muted in a game does not violate your civil rights. U.S. federal court declares, which I think is the headline to their article. And I say, okay, so plaintiff here seems a little nuts. I'll grant it. But it's worth pointing out that the holding isn't that muting can't be a violation of the Civil Rights Act, simply that it clearly wasn't here. We have a few conversations. Then we have some people kind of come at me. And this isn't rare on social media, so it's no big deal. But it says, hey, which online video games are run or moderated by government actors? Brain genius. I say, well, it's very nice of people to call me a brain genius. I always appreciate, you know, the compliments that we get on social media. But the point is, is that this is another area in which kind of the games journalists muddy the waters a little bit by combining the instance where the court easily says, hey, When you talk about First and 14th and Fifth Amendment issues and everything else, those clearly can't be aimed at a private actor. That it combined that discussion with the Civil Rights Act, which clearly can be aimed at a private actor, you get comments like this. So I respond and say, hey, the Civil Rights Act famously applies to private actors operating in public accommodations, but no worries, and says, how on earth could you argue an MMO is a Title II public accommodation or that muting is a violation? And again, we've talked about it in this video. We don't need to go over this whole argument uh, as it is. But this is what I wanted to point out is you kind of get this situation when you have headlines like this from PC Gamer or Polygon or Eurogamer or wherever, where people just kind of take them as sacrosanct, maybe read the article, maybe don't. But when we start talking about the actual details here, when we're talking about legalities, it's very important to get the specifics right. And what I would really love to see from games journalists and all journalists, really, is a focus on understanding the narrow holding of a court case. Understanding it before you report on it, absolutely, but resisting the urge to broaden it out to be more important than it is. And I understand wanting to report on or wanting to deal with situations that actually do have significance for your readership or just significance in the world. In this particular case, this was a very minor issue. This was an issue of a litigant that really didn't bring the claims fulsomely in any event. And the court kicked them out as easily as you might suspect they would. And so what I would ask of games journalists and all journalists is to just really focus on the narrow holding. Don't burn it out if you can avoid it. And hopefully, maybe that'll lead to a little bit more good discourse on social media where we can have these conversations uh, amongst all of the brain geniuses that are operating on Twitter and elsewhere. This has been Virtual Legality for today. Thank you for checking it out. Please share it with anybody that you think might be interested. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. We're kind of broadening our horizons into a few live shows. You might have seen me discuss uh, the video game industry with my developer brother this weekend. Check that out on Two Hogs or Better Than One number five. Uh, But otherwise, we're talking about YouTube, internet, software, video games, and everything in between all the time on this channel. Thank you so much for checking it out if you checked it out on YouTube. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you 
on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.